Always fun to, to worship with you. How y'all doing? Good. Hey, uh, if we haven't met, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here. It's a, a thrill to have you here, and if you're, especially if you're new. I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and so welcome. Sit back. And uh, we start a brand new series tonight all about the mission, kind of the heartbeat of our church. And we want to spend kind of the next four weeks unpacking uh, the mission statement that we have and the kind of culture that we want to create because here's why this is vitally important. People matter to God, period. And when the church gets fuzzy on what it's about and what it's called to be about, it has a way of stalling out, it has a way of, of kind of getting stuck. And as a church, uh, we just want to, to stay uh, focused on what God's calling for this chapter and for this season and for our journey together as a church on. Now, I know for some of you, um, kind of being a part of a church structure maybe is new for you. And uh, tonight, I hope that over the next four weeks, you kind of get a peek behind the curtain of understanding, okay, here's, here's why Element City Church exists. Here's what kind of their aim is. And if, especially if you're new and you're like, wow, I, I don't, this seems intense already. Um, listen, just, <clears throat> we care about you. And we care not just about your life, but about your spiritual life and about not just this life, but the life to come. And, and we want people uh, to, to know the hope and the love and the grace of Jesus. And so our mission, uh, and maybe you've heard us say it before. In fact, if, if uh, don't put it up yet. I just want to know if you know it. Ooh, it's a test. What is he doing? Yeah, okay. Let's just see if you know it. You can just whisper it, okay? You don't even have to say it out loud. Element City Church, we are always about inviting people life-giving, life-changing, relationship with Jesus. Wow, it's impressive. Okay, you can go to the next slide. For those of you who are like, I was trying to mumble along, uh, here's what it is, okay? Uh, we're about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. We want to help people take first steps in that spiritual journey. We want to help people take continual next steps in that journey. That's why we exist as a church. And everything we say or do and aim at is about that. And the culture we want to have is this, this idea of inviting. We want an inviting culture. We want a culture that's constantly connecting with one another. We want to be a culture that serves, not just serves one another, but serves our city and makes a difference here. And, and you all do that so well, um, so well. I'm so proud of you in all that you do. And we want to continue to do that. We want to have that culture where we're kind of all in to make that happen and to pursue the mission that God has for us because it matters. People matter to God. Now, I know for a lot of you who are kind of following after Jesus, and a lot, you, you kind of focus on your spiritual journey, and you go, hey, how do I continue to take those next steps? And that's awesome, and we need to continue to do that. Uh, but I was reminded a few weeks ago, um, in kind of a unique way, a reminder, uh, of why inviting matters. Uh, I was out playing golf with a couple high school buddies who I hadn't seen in a long time, and we were out there, and the funny thing is one of those guys and myself are both pastors now. Never would have thought that in high school, uh, and we're there, and we're talking about faith, like what faith was like in high school, and, and he says to me, hey, I know you were a Christian in high school. I didn't become a Christian until college, but like, how did you live out your faith? And I, you know, as a 40-some-year-old person now, I'm like, well, gosh, I don't know if I did very well. Um, and I'm looking back in my high school career, and I thought, why was I so intimidated by people? 
Why, why did I struggle with this? And I was like, well, people knew I was a Christian. People knew I was a follower of Jesus, but like, I don't, I don't know if I was overly vocal about it. I, I probably internalized it more than I thought. And, and he, now he's one, a pastor as well. And then the other buddy stands up and goes, well, I wasn't a Christian until like I was in my 30s. So uh, what's the deal? How come you guys didn't tell me? And I was like, oh, it's my shot now, right? Okay, <laughs> just, And it stung a little bit. Because here I'm looking at Mike and going, yeah, why, why didn't I? You ever had those moments where people's questions have a way of kind of digging underneath your soul a little bit and, and they kind of worm around a little bit and, and I remember thinking for the next little bit of just, man, I, I'm thrilled that Mike's a believer now, but man, did I, did I blow it? Did I, did I miss my opportunity because I was concerned about what people thought of me or I was worried about rejection or I was worried about kind of disapproval or was I just intimidated? And maybe asking all those questions and that's a long time ago. I don't know if you've ever had moments like that. And I remember driving home that day just realizing, hey, it matters in the moments we're in that we live as N.T. Wright talks about as these active agents for God. Because the reality is, not just your life matters, but people matter to God. And the people who are far from him, who aren't in a relationship with Jesus yet, who, who don't have uh, the grace of God kind of bathing over their life and drawing them into life with God and living that, well, they really matter to God. And it was this kind of checkup for my own heart, that a, a reminder that what you care about, you tend to share about, right? We know that to be true. Uh, how many of you are like me and you get a new exercise routine and you like to share that with people? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Fooled you. Okay. How many of you uh, tried a new restaurant and uh, you're really excited about that restaurant and you share it with people, right? So like what we care about, we tend to, to share about. And the reality is we, the things that we're kind of passionate about, the things that are, are occupying our mind, we tend to... to to bring before people and we share with them. So we have an experience, right? Or we uh, are granted something, we get something, and, and all of a sudden we kind of share the story with people around you, and you invite them into the joy of that. You've done that, you've done that naturally from whatever it may be, you've done that all your life. And so when it comes to our spiritual journey, what does it mean to invite people toward Jesus? What does it mean to invite people to kind of maybe take those first steps or next steps with him? What does it mean that what you care about, you tend to share about when it comes to spiritual things? Sometimes it's around kind of what, how you got that experience, how you got that thing. Did, did you stumble into it or is it something that you earned? Okay, well, I got, you know, recognized at work and so I want to tell people about that or I just stumbled into something, this incredible gift that came my way, and so I wanna tell people about that. And when it comes to the gospel, and when it comes to understanding our life with Jesus, we gotta remember kind of what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, just a reminder for us, because you never carved out your spiritual journey. You never actually made your way to have life with God on your own. Can I just remind you what Paul says here in Ephesians? It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from who? It's not from you. This is not from you. 
It's a gift from whom? From God. Not by works, so that no one can boast about it. So this idea for some of us, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, uh, we, we tend uh, to drift in our compassion and we tend to drift in our passion of inviting other people because we've allowed it to become about us in a lot of ways or we've allowed it to become internalized that, well, I'm doing this. I'm working on this spiritual journey. It's about investing in my journey with Jesus. And listen, that's important and that needs to be part of your journey. But it's not the only part of falling after Jesus. In fact, it may be 40% because 60% is the reminder that people matter to God. And as people matter, then it matters that they matter to us. And if, he ma- if they matter to God and they matter to us, then eventually what we care about, we share about. And it's about inviting people forward in that. This grace that we've been given is freely given and meant to be freely shared. As recipients of God's good news, uh, restored into relationship with him through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, we are the benefactors of an incredible treasure. Life with God, not because you worked hard enough for it, but simply because you stumbled into it and you were gifted something beyond measure and beyond your even ability to understand. May the wonder of the gospel never become stale for you, friend. May it never become dull. May it never become ho-hum because it changed everything for you. Everything for your now and for your past and for your future and for eternity. It changed every aspect of your life because now life with God is yours and the creator of the heavens and the earth is walking with you in every scenario, in every circumstance, in every situation. You are never alone and you never have to navigate life alone. You are freed up and forgiven from your past. You are not held back by it. You are gifted a hope and a future that's secure for you, that's sealed for you. That's an amazing treasure that you've been gifted. The gospel is a gift meant to be shared because we've stumbled into something great. In fact, uh, there's a story in the Old Testament uh, that I taught on a couple years ago here. I wanna go back to it because I think it's one of those stories that maybe kind of sticks in your mind. So if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to 2 Kings chapter seven, or if you're on version, you can follow along there. All the notes are in there. If you go to events and type in Element City Church, you'll find it. But in 2 Kings chapter two, we read about these four lepers, right? And leprosy is a disease that you don't want. I hope you never get it, and hope I never get it. And leprosy back in the first century had dire uh, ramifications to it, right? that you could never go into the city. You had to live in colonies outside the city. You were never allowed to be with people. Anywhere you went, you had to yell unclean, unclean, so that people would move out of the way that they would never, you, they would never touch you because they thought it was caught by that. And so these lepers are in a dire situation, but it gets worse because these lepers have to be, are, happen to be outside of Samaria, who is under siege right now, the city of Samaria under siege for over a couple years now. Now, I don't know if you know what under siege means. Basically, a, a, an enemy army has camped around them and cut off all supplies to the city going in, going out, and nothing is going well. And it's been dire situations getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. In fact, you can read in chapter five and chapter six, it's so bad 
that people are, they don't have any more food, and they're actually selling pigeon poop to eat. It's worse than that, because you can actually read a story in the Bible of these two women who have their two children, and they boil one to eat it, and then the other one hides her child. The situation is so bad. There is no hope. This enemy army is camped around them. And then we find these four lepers one day in this conversation. The king is so upset, he, he sends word to Elisha because he, he believes Elisha has brought a curse on them. And Elisha the prophet says to them, by this day tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, everything will be back the way it was. Basically, food will be in abundance and it will be cheap. And the king laughed. What, that's ridiculous. It's been going on for years. And we pick up the story with these four lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse three, when basically they, sell, they say to each other, hey, um, gosh, this is bad. Like if we go in the city, we're gonna die there, right? If we stay here, we're gonna die here. If we go over to the enemy army, then we may die, they may kill us, they may have pity on us, who knows? But if we go in the city, we're gonna die. If we stay here, we're gonna die. Might as well give it a shot and go over this way to the enemy army. And so at dusk, they walk over to the enemy army. The crazy thing is that the God of the universe already knew this whole situation, had told Elisha something's gonna change. These four lepers walk over to the enemy army expecting to either be speared or spared. And they show up, and you know what happened? The place is empty. The entire campsite all around the city is gone. Why? Because there's some amazing things that happen. So uh, verse five, we see this. At dusk, they got up and they went to the camp of Armenes. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. Verse six, if you have a pen, circle this. For the Lord, just circle, for the Lord. For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired uh, the Hittites and the Egyptian armies and the kings to come and attack us. So they got up and fled in the dust and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, their whole entire camp. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. What? Situation change, big time, by no one's effort, simply because God said, I'm gonna change the situation. I'm changing the scenario. So he causes this enemy army to feel like there's other enemy armies coming. They take off and run, and they hightail it out of there. Not even a time to pack. They leave it all. The whole city is still under siege, thinking that there's an enemy army out here. These four lepers walk over. The men had leprosy, reached the edge of the camp, entered in one of the tents. They ate and they drank, and then they took silver and gold and clothes, and they went off and hid it. Because when you're living with a scarcity mentality, that's what you do, right? You find incredible treasure and you stockpile it. That's what you do because it's finally your situation's changed and you want to soak it all in. And so then they come back to the second tent and they go in and they eat and they drink and they take some more silver and gold and clothes and they go out and they hide it. Because that's what you do when you live with a scarcity mentality and you've been living that way for the last few years and you had no idea your situation would ever change 
but suddenly it did. And they begin to stockpile this. And the truth is, when you live with a scarcity mentality, you and I do as well. Uh, that we think we need all the things, all these blessings, we need to keep hold of them. And when you finally realize, for the Lord, the thing we circled, for the Lord changed the entire scenario. And these four lepers walk into a treasure that after the first tent and after the second tent, they look up onto the horizon and they can't even see the end of the number of tents that are there. And they begin to come to a realization that their mindset begins to change. And I think the key verse in this whole thing, uh, verse nine, the first part of verse nine says this, then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves. And so what they do is they go back to the king and they show up as lepers who no one's really gonna listen to a leper. And they say, king, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the whole army left like we're not under siege anymore. In fact, there's, there's more treasure than we could ever grab. There's more food to eat. There's more drink to have. There's more treasure in abundance that we, could, that we could ever have. Why don't you all come out for this? And slowly they kind of build up trust. They go there and they pillage the whole entire place and suddenly the siege that was is no longer. And the situation has completely changed. What I love about the story is I think it reminds me of the gospel. My situation was under siege. I had no hope and no help to get right with a perfect and holy God. I couldn't work my way there. No matter what effort I tried to to appease a holy God with, it's never perfect enough. And yet, I didn't have to make the effort What we see in the life of Jesus is that he stepped up and he stepped in to make a way for us to have life with God through his life, his death, his resurrection. He came to provide a way for us to have the greatest treasure we could ever have, life with God, not based on our effort, not based on our achievement, not based off what we try to project and do in life, but simply based on what he already did for us. And he turns and he says, here it is, would you take it? Friends, that's the gospel. And sometimes I think the older we get as we walk with Jesus, we begin to try to live almost with a scarcity mentality. Well, I've gotta grow my relationship and there's only so much of God out there and so I've gotta, I've gotta hold into this. I've gotta invest in this a whole lot more and it's gotta be about me. And the reality is that's one or two tent kind of living when there's a horizon full of them. And you will never ever, ever outrun the love of God. You'll never lose his attention. You'll never lose his affection. There is enough grace for your yesterday, your today, and all of your tomorrows. And he will be with you no matter what. And when you have the excess, what does John say? How great is the love of the Father that he has lavished on us, that we get to be called children of God that we get to be called children of God, we've been lavished with this love. And so now we can turn around and say, we wanna be a good news people, and good news people don't stockpile for themselves. Good news people share, because what you care about, you tend to share about. Listen to the 
Paul's words in Ephesians. He says this, chapter uh, two, verse one, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. Not like you were kind of alive, you were sorta kind of floating along. No, you were dead. Okay, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Then he goes down to verse four. But because of the great love, uh, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, not barely has enough mercy, like rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace that you've been saved, period. Friends, there are so many in our day who are held captive and held hostage under a siege of hopelessness in their own life, pursuing after things that will not bring what they look for. And they need to know that what they see is not all there is. That what the world portrays is not all there is. That life with God and something better is available. And God is at work and he has been from the very beginning and he continues to be because he's a good God and he is for people. Why? Because people matter to God. They matter to him. And he longs for our, his people to live with the bottom line of, of kind of this idea of good news people don't stockpile, we share. We invite because it's right. It's the right thing to do, to invite people toward Jesus, to have the trajectory of their life potentially changed because of the same grace that we experienced and that was found us is a grace that's available to them. That we're good news people who are always inviting others to experience the good news that we found. We don't keep it to ourselves, but we are inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. It becomes the core of our heartbeat that we're looking for opportunities to live as good news people, inviting people closer to yourself and inviting people toward Jesus. What does it mean closer to yourself? I think it, it means inviting people into your orbit into who you are and how you live your life. That you don't live with a walled up life and reality around you, but as God brings people across your path, you're actually letting your heart open a little bit to invite them into a closer relationship with you, of just hanging around you. Maybe uh, they, <clears throat> so much in the church sometimes we get to this place of, well, we need to pull away and we need to be just the Christians. I just don't see that in Jesus' life. That when you read through the Gospels and you read through the early church, that yes, there was part of that. That's why we meet here on Sundays. That's why we inspire one another and cheer one another forward in e-groups and serve teams. That's why we do that. But it's not just that. It's not only about investing in your relationship and your walk with Jesus, but it's also about inviting people into the potential of them experiencing a new hope and the treasure of life with God that they've found because what you care about, you tend to share about. Everywhere you go, we are looking for the opportunity to invite others toward Jesus, toward him and how he's changed our lives and how he's impacting us that you are a carrier of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and you are sent to move his movement forward. You are active agents for God and his unfolding story and his hope for all of humanity. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter five. He says this, 
for Christ's love compels us. It just compels us to move forward. That we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us and how we live and how we interact and how we shape. See, the church is you, it's me. It's how we live outside of these walls. It's how we conduct our life. It's about inviting people toward Jesus and how we live and how we forgive and how we move forward in life, how we work on relationships. It's one thing to invest in your relationship with Jesus, but it's a whole nother thing to begin inviting other people toward Jesus. That's Matthew 28. You're to go and make disciples, not just go and invest in your own journey, in your own relationship. This is about inviting. Why does inviting matter? Because people matter to God. And so here's the challenge, real simple for us as a church. Over the next um, probably six months to 12 months, we wanna have uh, just a passion of inviting. What does that look like? A lot of different things. I would love to see my heart and your heart stir up to say, God, would you make us passionate people about inviting others in your direction, just towards you? What does it look like? Maybe it's inviting people to coffee. Maybe it's inviting people to have a meal with you, to hang out with you at a sporting event, uh, to, to go with you, who people who maybe would never set foot in church right now. This isn't about just inviting them to church. That might be a part of it down the road, but maybe this is just about inviting people into your orbit into your life. Maybe it's inviting uh, to pray with someone. To say, hey, I, I know you got this situation, this struggle going on, would you mind if I just pray for you? And we don't have to do it right here if you don't want, but I would do it if you want. And, and you just kind of put them on your prayer list and you begin to, to make prayer a priority for them. To begin to pray that they would take a next step in that journey. Maybe it's inviting them to go with you to elements and to say, hey, I promise you dinner afterwards or just come hang out. What would that look like to do that? Inviting them to serve with you. Uh, maybe in the food distributions that we've got on the second and the fourth of this coming Saturday over at Hollinger. It's just, hey, I'm gonna go do this. Do you wanna come do it with me? And you just invite them along in that journey. Invite to maybe share your story a little bit. Hey, you know what? I, I know you know I go to church. Did I ever tell you why? Did I ever tell you kind of why that's important to me? and you just share a little bit of your story with them. Maybe inviting them to meet other friends of yours from Elements or other friends that are followers of Jesus just so that you're not the only Christian they know. That you invite them to know other people that are on that journey. Maybe invite to have spiritual conversations. That you're looking for opportunities. Uh, maybe some invite tools. These are something that we've been working on here for Elements and Will over the next couple months trying to produce some things that you could use um, to, in order to help invite people. It's not perfect, we're not the best at it, but we wanna put some things in your hands that would help you with that. So one of those things is we're working on a new app right now that it's been submitted, it's waiting for approval, coming back, and that app will just allow you to kind of take elements with you wherever you go, and it's easy to share and easy to, to kind of share things from there uh, that you can send in text message to people. Uh, you can take it, you can just introduce people to your church before they ever even show up at your church. 
that they could just get a taste and a flavor of who we are, what we're about, that we're not weird. Uh, at least I think we're not weird. Um, but like that you can invite them into those things. We're working on doing some invite tools with some videos that we're trying to produce. We got a video team that's working on probably two or three different things that we're trying to put out uh, as just tools uh, and opportunity for you to share with people. Uh, some of them might click and you might go, yeah, I can send that or no, I can't, that's okay. What we're trying to do is to say, hey, over the next six to 12 months, what can we do? What would it look like for us to commit tonight to say we want to do a thousand invites over the next six to 12 months? What would that look like for you to own a part of that? To say, okay, uh, that means I've got maybe 10. Okay, what does that look like over the next six to 12 months to begin to invest and invite in the lives of people? Because the reality and the beauty of the gospel is that we got invited. We were under siege, and we had no hope of making our way to a perfect and holy God, but we got invited, and it changed everything for us. And so friends, if that's something that you're willing to commit to with us, we want you to go all in with that and figure that out of what that looks like. And so the, the simple challenge tonight is, okay, what does it look like? If you go back to that invite list um, of things, what does it look like for you? What's the next step for you? What's an invite look for you? What's that look like in the next month uh, through the end of September into mid-October? Uh, what, what's one or two things that you can begin to do with the people you're connected with to invite them toward Jesus? Is it sharing your story? Is it inviting them to serve? What does that look like? Begin to, to kind of wrestle with that a little bit. As we move on uh, to take communion here in a minute, we're gonna continue to worship. Brian will close this. We got one final song. And so that's where we're going. Uh, but we really wanna invite you to be a part of the inviting process and the culture that we want to have at Element City Church because we're all about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. And so Father, we um, pray that you would continue to burn that as a deep passion within us. Would you show us ways that with our coworkers, with our friends, with the people you put in our path, our family, the people we care about, the people we cross paths with on a normal basis, would you just surprise us in these next couple weeks with opportunities, maybe, kind of catch us even off guard a little bit with the opportunity to invite. Maybe just invite to coffee to hang out for a little bit. Maybe it's just inviting people a little bit more into the orbit of our life so they can see the things that we care about we'll tend to share about. And so maybe they kind of catch that in conversation. Maybe it's even more uh, quick than that, that we begin to have an opportunity to invite people to come serve alongside us or to kind of come be a part and experience elements with us Father, we want to be a people that are inviting the people that you care about, the people who aren't here yet, that you care about, that are on your radar, that you're searching to have a relationship with. Father, we want the gospel to go out, to change lives as it changed ours, this incredible treasure that we stumbled upon and you invited us into. We wanna invite many, many others to that as well. And so, as we remember that treasure, as we take communion here in a moment. Jesus, your body broken for us, your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins, that we don't have to be religious, we just have to be in a right relationship with you, and you paved the way for that. So as we take communion, as we worship you in song tonight, 
Would you stir our hearts with what the next step of those invites might look like in our life? And we commit to you tonight that we want to step forward in that. And we want to be bold. We want to be compassionate. And want to be people who are passionate about inviting others in your direction, Jesus. Would you stir our community and our hearts individually? Be on that journey with you. We ask that in your name.